Well, well, well. Hello, Rob. This is Memphis Diva 99. And um, I was told that you said I sounded like I was out of breath. And I probably was running up the stairs, stalking or harassing one of my coworkers. But anyway, I heard you say it. I didn't pronounce hooks, rubs, and spices correctly. Well, I hope I pronounced it. Regardless how I pronounce hooks, rubs, and spices, when it's in my castle, my house, I pronounce it any damn way I want to pronounce it. And with that being said, I guess I'm going to go and cook me some fried chicken and put some hook spices and rugs on it. How about that? Catch me outside. No, 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 no. Catch me at Walmart. Well, I really do got to go to Walmart. But I probably won't see you, but I'm going to ask a few people if they know you. Okay, then. Bye. Here we go. You are now listening to You're ready for some random shit from Rob Now everybody stand up and lift your arms Put your hands in the sky like you're pinching stars Go piss on Mars! What? It's so random, it's all gravy The podcast is Rob's yeah, go crazy Yup No kind of shit like that That's what Rob says when he runs off track Fun fact, tuck that in your brain Fuck that, nutsacks, we act insane In the fast lane, still smooth like butter Rob, dude, you Ass brother. Motherfucker. You might hear that about every other word, but who's keeping count? The ramblings get so random, what's happening? I'm babbling so much you can't handle me. Chattering teeth sound like a battle axe bashing the beat. Don't laugh when I speak, cause really, we're just some idiots. I ain't talking about a little bit, I'm talking fully illiterate. Like little kids trapped in a grown man's body, acting a fool like Lindsay Lohan party. Like it's a part of your life, we party all night. Blackout, that's how we party it right. Hit the Walmart, cause we bored as shit. Instagram and upload the video. <laughs> look at it, look at it. Rob hanging out in the Walmart for no reason, just Instagramming, he got his phone out, walking around looking at himself like, hey look at me, I'm walking through Walmart. It's so random, Rob. It's so random, random. but that's what we love. Random ramblings with random Rob. Ramblings. Random ramblings. Motherfucking random freaking motherfucking random ramblings. Random ramblings. Random ramblings. Blah 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 What up, everybody? This is your boy B Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Ramblers with Rob Show. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week and listening to my podcast, or however you're listening to podcasts. If you're a new listener, I'd like to thank you extra more than I would uh, thank the normal listeners because this is your first time listening. So you've heard about this through a random search or somebody recommended it. You might have seen a tweet somewhere or an Instagram post or I don't know. You found me somehow and I want to take the time to tell you thank you for giving me a, a chance. Man, before we even roll on with this episode, Miss uh, Kayla Stevenson, Simpson, Samson, whatever the fuck your name is, you, 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 you called me on my voicemail 
and you you speak all these inflammatory statements and everything. For those of you who are listening to me right now and you hear me speak all these foul languages against this person, Miss Memphis Diva 99, <laughs> you need to go to the hashtag blackout podcast. I think I left a voicemail on episode 67 or 68. One of those. I don't even remember which one it is. But um, Kayla, Miss Memphis Diva 99 on Instagram and Twitter. She took the holy name of hooks, rubs and spices and defiled it. She said it wrong. She mispronounced the, the words hooks, rubs and spices. And it's a big no, no, because they my unofficial official sponsor <laughs> and it's delicious on all your meats and vegetables and everything. I've, I've encouraged a lot of people to rub hooks, rubs and spices on um their love boxes, the genitals in between their toe skins and everything like that, because it's that good of a seasoning. But Miss Memphis Diva 99 on Twitter and Instagram. Miss Kayla Stevenson Sampson or whatever the hell your name is. You want to disrespect the glorious hooks, rubs, and spices, and I cannot stand for it, and I will not stand for it. Matter of fact, I'm sitting in this chair recording right now because I ain't standing for none of your shit right now. <laughs> anyway, shout outs to the hashtag Blackout Podcast. Uh, speaking of the hashtag Blackout Podcast, I got a voicemail from uh, Jared who is the only one from the hashtag blackout podcast that I get a voicemail from Jay. Don't send me shit. <laughs> he might send me some positive mental vibes and everything. Give me some shout outs on that show, but he don't send me no goddamn voicemails or nothing, but it's cool. It's okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and knock that voicemail out because we have a few of them. You just heard one from uh Memphis diva 99 on Twitter and Instagram, Miss Kayla Sampson, Stevens, and whatever the hell your name is. <laughs> and um, we got one from Anomaly because he has a announcements that he want to make in regards to his uh, new album that is out now called Revelations and how you can get you a free copy. Um, also, we have another whimsical tale from Hoppy Rogers. But for now, we're going to get into the voicemail from Jared from the hashtag Blackout podcast what's up b-rob this is jared from the hashtag blackout podcast and i just want to say thank you for calling in to my show our show we love that we appreciate that all that stuff uh we definitely do appreciate the interaction and also comments on the episodes uh starting to listen to your shot cock episode right now shot cock shot cock shot cock and i'm sorry i'm a little bit behind on episodes work's been killing me so I've been really been able to listen to anybody. Anyway, uh, yeah, every time I hear your show, the intro of your show, at least some of these past few times, make me want to come into a crowd arena full of, or come to an arena full of people, uh, you know, hands held high, just dipping myself the whole time, run up to the squared circle, jump over the top turnbuckle, and like have fire and fireworks and stuff like that shooting up behind me and go and shake the ropes, you know, go and do a flying body block on somebody. Anyway, 
gets me hyped. Love those intros. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, you called in a couple times. Uh, talked about our girl, Kayla Stevenson, Smith from Diva 99. And, uh, yeah, sounds like uh, she's ready to beat with you. So, very interesting. Listen up. Next episode coming up, episode 70. You'll hear the voicemail beast has begun. Speaking of beasts, I guess everybody just going to go ahead and let Jody, Bowie be, Jody B be your voicemail champion. So, I guess all those beasts have died. Congrats to you, Jody B. Anyway, hope you put some hooks or some spices all over your meat and birds this Thanksgiving. And we black it out. Thank you, Jared, for that voicemail. I'm about to say email. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I'm probably all hopped up because of Memphis Diva 99, Kayla Sampson, Stevenson, or whatever the hell your name is, talking reckless about hooks, rubs, and spices. Putting them on pork chops and mashed potatoes and hash browns and whatever the hell you're doing with them, which is very tasty sounding, but put some respect on the name. You're going to say hooks, rubs and spices god damn it <laughs> um, next we're going to spin a yarn with uh, Hoppy Rogers he has uh, another whimsical tale as I stated before and um, I'm going to let you hear that right now then we're going to roll into the interview and after the interview stick around because Anomaly wants to give you some details on how you can win a free copy and some other goodies um, for his uh, new album, Revelations. So, his happy. I want to run. I want to I, I, I want to run. Doo doo, bro. No, for real, though. It's happy. What up, everybody? Uh, I'm gonna tell a story about uh, my buddies Dan and Jim. Uh, Dan been dead like nine years or something like that. So this is uh, this took place about ten, eleven years ago when he was on the way out or whatever. Uh, they was brothers, both of them good buddies of mine. Uh, Dan had, uh, muscular dystrophy. District, whatever the fuck. I'm drunk. Uh, it's like Lou Gehrig's, but you're born with it. And it's, you know, eat your muscles from inside out and all that. Until you, you, you know. But, uh, Dan asked me, you know, uh, he was, I mean, he couldn't get on around at his own at all, you know. He could barely get his own wheelchair moving, uh, with a joystick. So anyway, uh, he, Dan asked me to take him to a whorehouse, but don't tell his brother Jim. And I was like, man, you know, I can't, I can't not tell Jim where I'm taking you and all that. And, uh, and if you end up dying in a whorehouse, I'd, I'd have a lot of splitting to do. So, uh, you know, I was like, I, hold on, let me have this conversation. So I goes in there with his brother, get him alone, and uh, I'm like, you know, Jim, uh, Dan wants to go see a prostitute and lose his virginity before he, he kicks the bucket. And uh, he's like, no, 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 you know, da, 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 and there's no way, no, no, he's completely against it. And I'm like, look, man, how if you were in his position, you know, uh, even if you did die when that that happened, I mean, it'd probably be a good way to go out. Let's just let's just be honest, bro. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd have lots of explaining to, to, to your parents and stuff, but, I mean, come on, bro. Like, we got to give him this chance. It's, it's what he wants. So... He's like, okay, but but no full sex, because full sex will kill him. Just a, a fucking blowjob. We'll take him there, you know, 
and so I get him to agree to the blowjob. So we go back in there, and I tell Dan, and Dan's like, no, I want to fuck her, you know, da, 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 da. And, and Jim's like, no, that'll kill you. So, you know, you're in, and Jim tells Dan, he's like, you're you're in no position to argue with anyone on, on anything. And I'm like, damn, dog, that's cold. But, uh, you know, they so they they meet in the middle at the blowjob. So uh, I, I don't want to... Uh, Try try getting in the middle of the mix on like a Friday or Saturday night when these hoes are busy trying to turn thirteen tricks real quick. So, uh, you know, we we head out there at like six in the morning, and uh, when we get there, there's there's two girls working, and uh, one of them's hot, and the other one is is definitely uh, not at all. Uh, just no, she'd have to pay me. But out of respect to the ugly one, I'm like, hey, Dan, which one you want? And he looks up, and he's he's in his wheelchair, and he's like, the one in the green dress. And so I do a double take and look over at Jim. And do a double take and look over at Jim, and 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 I'm just like giving him that look, and he's like, oh man, he's his eyes are fucked up too. He's colorblind, and I'm like, that's not even part of the illness. Damn. So we we figure out he's talking about the hot one, and uh, so uh. I asked the hot one how much, and she said, you know, 180. And I'm like, all right, but you're gonna do him, and it's gonna be, I'll give you 250. And uh, she she kind of pulls me aside, and she's like, I have a question: Is he mentally retarded? And I said, Oh yeah, that's that's what I do. I go find retards and take them to whorehouses. I'll be over in the corner whacking off. And this bitch got serious and was like, Oh, so there's two. Well, that'll be an extra. I said, No, bitch, he's not fucking retarded. She's like, Well, what do I do? And I'm like, look, I, I don't know. I've never been a hooker before. And I'm like, I don't, look, look, maybe just give him a little show, rub your tits in his face and suck him off. How's that sound? And so she's like, I'm like, look, but don't fuck him. Don't sit on him. Don't fuck him. That might kill him. And she gets this look. And uh, anyways, we get her in the room, and uh, we we get him in the room in the bed, and uh Get the fuck out of there. And then as soon as we get in the hallway, I look at, at Jim and I'm like, can she take his pants off without hurting him? He's like, fuck, fuck you for getting me into this. So we goes back into the room. And, uh, he's like, he's like, Dan's like, let Jim lift me up because he's the only one who can do it without hurting me. So Jim gets, you know, under the, the, under the under arms and lifts him up. That took a fucking genius to figure out. And, uh, so I pull this kid's track pants off. And uh kiddies, we all about twenty at the time, twenty something. Anyways, uh for all you guys out there with little meats walking around sad, imagine being a paraplegic with a big meat. And there wasn't no hiding that, bro. I mean I had to get the fuck out of there. So anyway, the the hooker on the when I'm on the way out the door, uh, stops me and she's like, you know, I'm really not worried about diseases. Uh y'all said he's a virgin and all that, whoop de whoop, but like does he bathe? Like, do y'all, you know, is he, is he houses cleanliness? And his brother's like, man, I gave him a bath this morning. He's all good. Tipped her some more money on top of what I did. We left. Everything went great for him and stuff. But look, Thanksgiving's coming up. Y'all have a great holiday. You may think that you're a good mom, dad, aunt, sister. But as you're around that table, think, do you have enough love in you to wash your brother's dick and take him to a whorehouse before he dies? Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Out. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, 
see, he is destined to be a storyteller, a filmmaker, or whatever. This this is is in his DNA. He loves to tell stories, and I appreciate Hoppy taking out the time, whether he's sober or inebriated, to um, just bless us with his Hoppy isms and everything. And uh, Jared, if you still listening to this point, Hoppy is the voicemail king, not Jody B. Jody B. relinquished his title, and uh, Hoppy Rogers is the new voicemail king the used voicemail champion so i just wanted to update you on that i know you said something about it earlier but just wanted to keep you in the know i know you're a couple episodes behind and everything but you ain't that damn far behind <laughs> anyway my guest this week is a returning guest it is the man king ajar uh, last time we spoke we um talked about professional wrestling because that's one of his um interests as is mine but um today we're not so much talking about professional wrestling as a product but we're going to talk about professional wrestling as a business so i know ray from the naked porch podcast and maybe sean from horribly awkward are sitting there talking about (gasps) wrestling when i first started talking about my guests and everything but it veers off in many different directions is wrestling based in essence but it's talking about business and other things and movies and stuff like that so ray don't tune out on me man sean don't tune out on me it's a good episode originally it was two hours long but i chopped it down because the first hour of it was actually talking about professional wrestling but reason being that i cut all that out and everything because I mean we've been wrestling heavy the last couple episodes which is nothing wrong with that because I like professional motherfucking wrestling but the reason that we're talking about the business aspect of professional wrestling is because King Ajar is um, pondering he hasn't pulled the trigger on it yet Um, taking his extensive knowledge of finances and starting his own podcast based on the financial end of professional wrestling, um, looking at professional wrestling as a business. So we wrap a little bit about that. We share some insights on wrestling as a business, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, we're going to roll into this edition of the Random Realms with Rob podcast featuring King HR. Which I guarantee WWE regrets that decision. That was a bad decision. Yeah. No, I mean, you you briefly touched on um, merchandise sales and everything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, we talked uh, a few times in the past as um, a couple other people that I know who are interested in uh, getting into podcasting. Now, you came to me with an interesting uh, concept or whatever. I mean, I've said it many a times, even on episode one of this very podcast that we're doing now that I wanted to do a wrestling podcast, but I felt like, you know, you know, if I'm going to do a show that I just want to have it be what it is, you know, I want to talk about this one day, this one day, it's something, you know, it's just something different all the time. You know, if wrestling happens to come up, then it is what it is. I mean, because I'm not going to deny myself, you know, a, a good hearty talk about some professional wrestling, <laughs> you know. But um, I was just making the point that there's so many God 
damn wrestling podcast. Not to say that it's a bad thing, but there's millions and billions of podcasts in general, you know. Um, but when you have this many podcasts dedicated specifically to wrestling, you know, if you wanted to start a wrestling podcast, how would you stand out? Now, the idea that you brought to me was um, unique in itself. You know, you want to talk about wrestling, but you want to talk about it from a business standpoint. So if you would just kind of like, let's just kind of throw that around. Let's see what your ideas are or if you're still trying to pursue that or whatever's going on. So, yeah, my idea for wrestling podcast was I want to talk about the business of wrestling because every quarter WWE releases releases its financial numbers and everybody all the dirt sheets all the podcasts they talk about it and to be quite honest like most people probably don't have the financial background that I have when it comes to like because in my day job it's what I do for a living so I just want to put a perspective for wrestling fans on the business of wrestling because there's it's a huge I mean it's a billion dollar business and if you think about it it's the one thing that nobody talks about like people when they see their favorite wrestler have t-shirts they just look at it as oh my favorite wrestler has a t-shirt I'm going to go buy it but they don't realize how much of the wrestling industry is supply and demand like any other supply chain or any other retail store. So when you see 54 Alexa Bliss items versus 14 Charlotte items, that's just because Alexa Bliss is that much more popular in that space. It doesn't mean she's a better wrestler. It doesn't mean that they even as a company think more of her. It's just she's able to, they're able to monetize her character a lot more. And I think people just don't talk about that. Like, and that's why I've always preached about pushing certain people because if I own the business and, you know, rambling Rob is selling t-shirts hand over fist and people are really into him. Why would I not push him and milk the cow and get as much money out of that as I could rather than doing this whole, well, okay, we already have Rob established and maybe we aren't maximizing him, but let's use him to make others. And that's a great concept, but what if it doesn't work? Then you can cool off the hot commodity and you don't get anything out of these other entities that you're trying to like help. So for me, I just think those are things that people don't talk about. Like I contribute, um, you know, Patreon to the, to the new age insiders. And it's the, it's the one thing that I've said to them, like, Hey, why don't you guys have a show about finance wrestling? Like you have booking and you have women's wrestling and you have just topics, but what about the business of wrestling? Like the Indies, the Indies are hot right now. What's the money like for an independent wrestler who doesn't want to go to WWE because they don't want to go through the politics? Like Cody Rhodes is making, you know, they say anywhere from five to six grand a week. He doesn't need WWE. He doesn't need WWE. He's making a lot of money. He's making his own schedule. He's wrestling the style he wants to wrestle. And I just think that nobody covers that. And I feel like I can, you know, if given the opportunity provide to that space and I just think that wrestling fans are always criticized for always um, stereotypes as not being very smart and I feel like 
a podcast like that can actually change that perception because there is a business element to it. And it's not just about your favorite wrestlers winning or losing or not getting pushed. There's real money. Um, so, for example, like when Talking Smack got canceled and everybody was mad. Yeah. There's a reason for that. It didn't draw any viewers on the network and they want to cut costs like fireworks. Like people are like, oh, there's no pyro. Yeah, that's expensive. Pointless pyro doesn't do anything. Like, is one more person going to go to an arena because they have pyro? No. Yeah, and so, like most of the time from a kid's standpoint, they don't like that shit. <laughs> yeah, they don't. So I just think that when we talk about wrestling, we should talk about the business of it, like WWE Studios. It makes no money. It loses money every single quarter. Yet because they theme themselves as an entertainment property and not a wrestling company, they keep the space because they might strike gold like with that Halle Berry movie where yeah. they made like $60 million. But they keep producing such bad movies that you know, at this point, they're just shooting darts at a board blindfolded and they don't know what's going to, like, they don't that's not their core competency, right? When we talk about business, you gotta talk about your core competency and what you're good at. They're not good at making movies. They think because they produce a weekly TV show that they can make movies, but that's not exactly the case. It's a different space. Yeah. And now, now in the same vein or whatever, not to cut you off, um, what do you think they can do differently with WWE Studios that maybe they can kind of turn it around and make a profit? You know, like you I, was just I talking about uh, television shows. Maybe they can try to produce um, weekly content, not like in a reality show based concept, but like, you know, actual weekly episodic television, you know, like um, that 70s show or something like that. And I mean, not that style of show, but just a weekly show that's not wrestling. But you, see, you know, if I was running WWE Studios, what I would do is I would first finance movies that are already maybe going to do well. Because the one thing about Hollywood that people don't know about, maybe not know, is that all the movies that you love have to be financed, right? Like, studios don't want to spend their own money. That's smart business. You don't want to spend your own money. You want other people to spend their money. So WWE, they're flush with cash. They have money. Attach yourself to, like, a Stranger Things, the Netflix show, or attach yourself to like um, something that is going to make some money, but at least it lets you understand how the business of a movie works. Or, you know, hop on the bandwagon of a young, hot director. Like, go to a young, hot director, somebody who's had a couple of breakout movies, and say, okay, look, we're going to give you a four-picture deal, and we're going to give you this budget, but we're going to give you total creative control. You're going to get to pick the scripts. You're going to get to pick the actors. This is your budget. And let let the WWE Studios logo not become... When you see that logo on a movie, I immediately think B-list. C-list movie. Like I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. Whereas if I see the Marvel logo, or if I see the, the DC Comics logo, or I see the you know, the, the new line cinema logo, I'm thinking, Oh, this, this is good. This is going to be a big production. So I would do that. Like I would just go to Jordan Peele, the guy who directed get out. And I would say, look, I'm going to give you five pictures. I'm going to give you hundred million dollars. I'm going to let you make five movies. You just have to stick, 
stick the budget. And, and I would see what he can do with it. Like, attach yourself to a hot director. That's because the, as you... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, you good. Go ahead. Because as you know, a lot of times we go to movies as much for the director as we do the actors. Like, yeah. if you see the name Spielberg, you want to see it. If you see the name Nolan, you want to see it. If you see the name Lynn or Justin Lynn from the Fast and Furious series, you want to see it. So... F. Gary Gray, like directors need just as much as the actors. So to me, that's what I would do because if I'm WWE, I'm not going to pay Jennifer Lawrence $35 million to make a movie because I don't, I'm not that flush with cash. Like I'm not Universal Studios that has billions of dollars. And, you know, if the Jennifer Lawrence movie flops, it flops, but they can afford it to flop. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would go a different direction. That's what I would do. Now, um, as far as um, movies or whatever, how many WWE films have you seen? I've seen all the Marines. Yeah. I've seen the Halle Berry movie, mm-hmm. the one that did well. I've that seen, was The Call, wasn't it? Uh, huh? That was The Call, wasn't it? Yeah, The Call. The Call. I've seen um, Walking Call, which people forget is a WWE production. Yeah, it was. Go back and look at the credits. The rundown. Go back and look at the credits. Um, the rundown. And there's a couple of um, the Triple H movie, The Chaperone. Yeah. I've seen that terrible thing. And I saw this the Ziggler movie. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> long for no reason. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just think that. Let's just go over some of those even, real quick. Now, I'm, I'm looking at the call on IMDb. Because um, you, you're talking about the business or whatever, it was an estimated budget budget of thirteen million dollars. What do you think the opening weekend was? Mm, I think the opening weekend. I think it made like sixteen million. Yeah, opening weekend they made seventeen million. So they made their money back plus a little bit. Worldwide, it grossed right. sixty eight million dollars. So you think Huge. just you know they Huge get success. hot flashes and everything, or you just just based on that, would you keep WWE Studios around is what kind of what I'm asking. Like I said, I, I don't think one every 10 movies being a success means that I should keep the store open. Like I, you know, my day job is I'm in, I am in the retail industry and the company I work for over the last two years, we closed a lot of stores that just month. Well, we should have actually done it years ago. We shouldn't have done it this year. When it was like, oh, we're just losing too much. We should. You open a store, and it never makes money. What are the chances it's ever going to make money? Okay, WWE Studios. If you look at debits and credits, and you look at the ledger, they have lost way more money than they have made. At what point do you not just pull the plug or go after a different business strategy? Like to me. That's what I would, that's my answer. If it's never made money, except for here and there, then why would you keep it open? Like, this is a company that's publicly traded. And yeah, it's had a real hot, hot stock quarter because, you know, the revenues for last quarter were, were through the roof. But the one thing that lost money for them was WWE Studios. Everything else made money except for WWE Studios. So think of how much more money as a company they would make 
if they just close this division down, like hypothetically like this, they could take that same money and buy New Japan. Yeah. They could take that money and buy Ring of Honor. They could buy Progress. They could buy, um, you know, they could go out there and buy more talent. They could go out there and pay their talent more now. They yeah. could go out there and do different things. Like they could go and say, you know what? I haven't flushed with cash. So, you know what, Kenny Omega, you don't want to come work for us, but we're going to give you $3 million a year. Say no. Yeah. yeah you're making $1.7 million. We're going to give you $2 million plus all the other stuff. You're going to turn us down? That's what I would do with the money. Yeah. Like to me, they're a wrestling company. I don't care what they say. They're a wrestling company. Now, Focus on wrestling. And now, now let's go to the other stream of that uh, WWE um, Studios thing. Now we just uh, did the call. I looked at the budget and everything. I mean, they made a profit on that. They turned a profit. They had a, they did absolutely. So now, it was a great let's talk about, story. Now let's talk about one of the movies that you mentioned, Walking Tall. Now I'm looking at the stuff here for the box office. That movie had a budget of $56 million. What do you think the opening box office was the weekend? Mm, $15 million maybe. How much? 15 Yes, exactly. Fifteen five, And um, they only grossed worldwide. Well, no, shit. This doesn't even say worldwide. It says U.S. They only grossed $45 million. So... They lost money. They lost money. I mean, maybe they probably made it up worldwide, but shit, still, that that's cutting it kind of close. Absolutely. Like I'm looking on their IMDb WWE films. These are the movies. Scorpion Engine oh. that made a lot of money. Yeah. Rundown. Walking Tall. See No Evil. The Marine. The Condemned. Behind Enemy Lines, The Twelve Rounds, The Marine Two, Legendary, Knucklehead, The Chaperone, That's What I Am, Inside Out, The Reunion, Bending the Rules, The Day, Barricade, The Marine Three, Dead Man Down, The Call, No One Lives, Queen, Queens of the Ring, Twelve Rounds Two, Christmas Bounty, Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery, Oculus, Road to Paloma, Leprechaun, See No Evil 2, Jingle All the Way 2, The Flintstones and WWE Stone Age, The Marine 4, Vendetta, 12 Rounds 3, The Condemned 2, Santa's Little Helper, Countdown, Term Life, Scooby-Doo, and The Curse of the Speed Demon, Interrogation, Incarnate, Eliminators, Surfs Up 2, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, The Jetsons and Robo WrestleMania, Marine 5, Slight, Pure Country, Pure Heart, Armed Response, Birth of a Dragon, Killing Hasselhoff. Okay. Now, am I the only one who does not, would never, ever spend $1 to go see Dean Ambrose in a movie? Why would I think that's a good idea? And I understand what they're doing. They're like, there are people like Nate nuclear shrimp shout out to Nate who loved Dean Ambrose so they're going to go see anything Dean Ambrose is in that's not how this works though that's already been proven why did the call work what's the one thing about the call that you didn't mention (laughs) an Oscar winning actress who actually is a worldwide name who has a brand 
who's one of the most, you know, beautiful women of the last, I don't know, maybe ever. And I don't think she ages, which I need to know her secret. But, like, that's why that movie worked, because they had a good script with a bankable Hollywood actress, and it worked. And David Otunda had a little role in it. It wasn't based around David Otunda. But, like, do you think anybody wants to see Randy Orton? He's he's boring as it oh, is yes. on, is, was, as a wrestler. I seen that movie and he was wooden as fuck. <laughs> like Cena, smart. He's got away from WWE films. He's like, oh, Hollywood's opening the door for me. I'm going to do Daddy's Home too. I'm going to do a Tina Fey movie. I'm going to do Transformers. Like yeah. he's staying away from WWE films because he's smart. Like The Rock, The Rock. Use WWE to get his foot through the door. Yep. They finance the movies for him, but then all of a sudden, Rock's biggest movie star in the world. What you think of? Like you might do. I think. I think that's a favor. I think that's literally and figuratively that he's the biggest star in Hollywood. (laughs) He is. Yeah. He is. But if you think about it, if he if Vince McMahon called him and said, "Hey, you got this WWE Studios film," would he'd be like? Yeah, Vince, I've got a book for the next five years. Yeah. Get you on the get you on the rebound. Like they're not The Rock is gonna be The Rock is a big star. Cena's gonna become one. But because they're going to work with people who know how to make a movie. Yeah. Vincent Mann is a wrestling genius. I think he's terrible now as a booker, but he's a wrestling genius. But he doesn't know how to make a movie. No whole but people People are lying to themselves that they think No Holds Barred is a good movie. It's not a good movie. It was funny. Yeah. It's not a good movie. So for me, I would get rid of WWE Studios. I would I would spend more money on NXT. I would spend more of that money that they're saving on getting more talent. I would maybe develop a women's TV show. Like I've always said, um, everybody talks about 205 Live. But what if they had an all-women's wrestling show every week? Like yeah, it I was, was thinking about that too. It was shot at NXT, though. It was just shot in Orlando every week, and you developed some of these characters. You know, think of the feuds you could have. Yeah. Like, also, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I, I don't want to leave the movie thing just yet. It's okay. Because I'm still on Go the ahead. Wikipedia page. In upcoming movies, they have two of them with The Rock. One Do they of, really? Which one? Well, one of them is that uh, documentary about Paige's family. It's um, distributed by WWE Studios. And then okay. there's another one called The Fall Guy with The Rock. Also, and then also they, they finance- are financing The Fall Guy. Exactly. And also they're financing Rampage, that rock movie that's coming out. Ah, okay. Well, that's good. That's very smart of them because, you know, people... For those of you who don't know, the, the guy who runs The Rock's production company, Brian Dershowitz, was the head writer at WWE for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very smart, smart thing. And, and like I said, maybe they're figuring it out. Yeah, because like... Attach um, yourself to movies that'll make money. Yeah, also... And like, so you're... Yeah, you go ahead. Just like what you're saying, um, I'm looking at the distributors that they are working with to produce these movies. Uh, I'm going to see it just for a pure comedic uh, <laughs> standpoint. They got a movie called Blood Brothers, uh, Blood Brother that's coming out with R-Truth in it. And then the distributor for it is uh, Cold Black Films. They make a lot of independent um, black-owned movies. So, I mean, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. smart. They got a movie uh, called Mohawk with Luke Harper that's coming out. And the distributor for that is uh, Snowfront Pictures, which I haven't heard too much about. I would. 
So they they kind of doing what you're saying because they got um yeah the fall guy is going to be distributed um by DreamWorks. So yeah, and and maybe that's what they should do is hey, we have money, we will attach ourselves to projects that we think will make some money. So if we put in four million dollars to the fall guy, twelve million dollars out of it because that's business. At the end of the day, if they attach themselves to all these bad movies and they still made money, it doesn't matter. To make money, yeah. it's like okay. I hate Tyler Perry movies. I think they suck. Yeah, personally. I saw what on them. Yeah, and the reason I don't like Tyler Perry movies is as a person who, you know, most of my friends growing up were well. I guess I can't call them African American because I'm from Canada, so I guess I'm gonna have to call them African Canadian or what Indian or Caribbean. I just feel like Tyler Perry movies embody the worst stereotypes of how people look at black people yeah and so i don't like his movies i i just i'm uncomfortable watching his movies but they make a shitload of money yeah so you know what i'm not gonna sit here and criticize a guy who built a 700 million dollar empire off of bad movies because you know what he has 700 million dollars and i don't have 700 million dollars so i i respect the hustle so if they would just attach themselves to all these bad movies that made money bravo go for it and maybe you're right. Maybe with you reading me that information, which I did not know, they're doing the right thing. That's how they should focus their studio company. But they should not be financing movies with Dean Ambrose yeah. and Randy Orton and The Miz and Lana yeah, and I, Edge. Cause I, br- I bring those things up because, I mean, out of that list that you read earlier, they got a couple of good movies on there. Uh, like um, No One Lives. I thought that was a damn good horror movie. I mean, it's not like hardcore horror. It's like um, one of those murder slashing movies. So, I mean, that's a good movie, and I recommend it. Um, Slight. Okay. Slight was um, a pretty good movie, too. And, like, just the sheer numbers on that movie, the film had a $250,000 budget. It, it um, Worldwide, um, the freaking the opening weekend, it made um, $1.5 seven million and then it grossed out at uh three point eight million. So they made money off of that. And I, I would recommend that they do stuff uh, like that because Slight was a good movie and it was for a small budget. It's kinda like how Get Out was. They made that movie with a small yeah. budget and they got hand over fist in um revenue for it. Well Get Out is one of the, the biggest grossing margin movies of all time. Like, you know, it's two, three million dollar movie that made over a hundred million dollars. Like that's how that's the type of movie you want to make for me. Like, okay. Everybody's seen this movie. Everybody's seen the movie top Gun, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm assuming everybody's seen top gun. So top gun in 1986, I don't know what the production budget was. I think it was like $30 million. The movie ended up making $411 million. That, is profit. <laughs> so, for me, as somebody who holds with the company, I just, that's the thing. I'm glad they're doing it. Like, I'm glad you took all this because now I feel much better about their their next five or six quarters because they're going to make TV money. They're going to get the network money. And if they, they do this model with the studios, they're going to make money there too. And then at that point, it's going to be really bad on us fans because you know, they're going to push you they want to push at this point because I always said this 
and, and I've said this maybe on other podcasts, I've noticed this on yours. If we were in the pay-per-view era still, not the network era, a lot of people we like or I like would be pushed differently. Yeah. Like if let's say you had to spend sixty dollars on a pay-per-view now instead of ten bucks a month, they would push Finn Bauer. They would push Sasha Banks. Like they would push them the way we want them pushed. Because people would have to because that's the only way you're gonna get people to spend their money is if you give them what they want. When you're giving somebody ten dollars a month for all that content, they don't care. They're gonna take risks, which I'm okay with. Like I think the gender thing was good. I'd like to see them do more of that. Like I'd like to see them say, you know what? Um Rusev, we're gonna strap the rocket to you. Let's go. I'd like to see that. But it's easy to do when you're getting a, 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 a guaranteed revenue stream every month. Because, you know, for any math people out there, let's just say their average monthly paid subscribers is 1.2 million. Multiply 1.2 million times 10. That's $12 million a month. Multiply that by 12. That's $144 million a year. Now, Right when they changed from the pay-per-view model to the network model, they were doing like 150,000 pay-per-view buys. So let's say you do 150,000 for TLC or 100,000. You multiply that by 40 bucks or 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's $6 million. Making $12 million now a month with all the content they have already at their disposal. And the other smart thing about the WWE Network that people don't know is they take the, this is bad for the wrestlers, by the way. The wrestlers used to get a cut of the pay-per-view proceeds. So if you were like the main event on a pay-per-view that did 600,000 buys, you're getting a main event pay-per-view check. But with the network, they're like, ah, you're not really a draw as much as you think because the network is selling it. They don't have to pay the wrestlers the pay-per-view proceeds. They don't have to pay the cable companies the, the, the surcharge. So it was actually very smart business to cut. Like at first when they did it, they probably did it too quick. Like they should have still said, okay, you're going to get every pay-per-view for 10 bucks a month, but you got to pay for SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. And then slowly give you those for free. But once they gave you everything for free, they can never go back. But now, they're way ahead of the curve. Because now, UFC pay-per-view numbers are down. Unless Conor McGregor fights. Because people don't want to spend 60 bucks anymore. When they get something for 10 bucks, why would they want to do that? So they kind of, they, they were smart there. And, and the way I look at it is, that's why they're never going to, you're never going to see a Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're never going to see a Rock where every month, they're the main event. You're going to get all these different combinations. They're going, to, they're going to try different things. Like, you know, they're going to they're going to push Alexa Bliss, and then when they decide to push somebody else, they're going to push somebody else because there's no like sense of urgency to draw pay per view numbers. There's no sense of ur- all they have to do is keep a steady TV rating, and they're going to be fine. Yeah, and I already know how certain people draw certain quarter hours. That's why. You know, I, I was telling Matt this, Matt McCool, 
that's why Sash is always on TV. That's why Bliss is always on TV because they draw a little bit of numbers. They give you their, their little slice of them. So they want to keep you around for the ship. It's one of the reasons they try their hardest not to main event Roman Reigns because he doesn't draw the quarter hours the way some of the other wrestlers do. So the point I'm trying to make is that they have a very healthy business and that live attendance is down. But I think live attendance is down in the landscape of sports anyway. The NFL attendance is down. And if the NFL isn't doing great attendance compared to what they used to, how can you expect wrestling to? Yeah. Like the NFL is the strongest thing in the in, in, in America in terms of sports. So I just think with HDTV, with all these great features you have at home, we're just not a live audience attending group anymore. Yeah. Now, um, with that being said, how much would it help and hurt WWE if they televised house shows? It would hurt because there's production costs associated with that. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to pay a camera crew. You have to fly them to the to the venue. You have to, then you have to get them the rental car. Because remember, production employees are corporate employees. They're not independent contractors. Wrestlers are independent contractors. But the cameraman, the, um, the, the people who drive the trucks, those are corporate employees. They got to pay their health care. They got to pay their hotel. They got to pay their per diem. They got to do all that. That's expensive. Anybody ever been to a house show? They have one camera person. Why? Because they want archival footage just in case. Mm-hmm. But that's one camera person. It's one camera with one angle. There's no elaborate production set. There isn't like people don't understand. To put on the USA show they put on every Monday. That's a, that's a million dollar. Oh, no, I think it cost them, they say, $300,000 an episode to make that show. They're not going to spend $300,000 on a 2000 seat house show. What's the point? That's not going to get 3 million views. Like, people forget the network itself only has 2 million customers. And so, how much are you going to get on a house show? To me, yes, it hurts them. They should not televise house shows. Here's another reason why I would never televise house shows. Other than the random one here and there. Why go then? What's the point of going to a live show? Yeah, that's what I was saying. What's the point? Like, why do I want to go to a live show when I can just see it at my house? I have no incentive. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's bad to do that. And I think it just, it's just it's unnecessary cost. Like pyro. Pyro is unnecessary mm-hmm. cost. Like, that's expensive. Like, people forget how expensive that stuff is. Yeah, because, I mean, they think, all right, there's just some guy lighting fuses backstage and freaking stuff goes off. No, nah, it's more than that. It's, that's fucking science and chemistry and shit. You got to measure the powder right and put the right chemicals together and wire it just the right way. I mean, an amateur just can't go out and do that. You got to have somebody with a fucking some know-how. <laughs> It's not like you go into your daggone fireworks stand and just, you know, this ain't Roman candles and shit, you know? <laughs> the other thing is that there's insurance risk yeah. with pyro. Right? People could burn themselves. People could get hurt. You have to pay that. Like, the, about, the reason that I think the business of wrestling never gets talked about enough is because at the end of the day, 
wrestling fans forget it's an actual business. Like, I'll give you a perfect example of what drives me crazy. Everybody knows who my favorite wrestler is, so I'm not going to talk about her. Mm -hmm. But when she doesn't get booked correctly, the Twitter narrative is she should go work the indies. Are you crazy? Like, do people realize that she's making a million dollars a year? What is she going to make on the independents? hundred grand? Yeah, not that. <laughs> and, and, and if she, okay, even if she makes a hundred grand a year, it's like she's working in front of a hundred people, 200 people. Like, you just have a women's division and stop them for all of their jobs. Asuka took a pay cut. She was the highest paid stardom wrestler. She took a pay cut to come to WWE because she knew in the grand scheme of things, the she money she would end back, up making yeah. would be substantially more than what she would make at stardom. And so, for uh, now, uh, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, none of these women are ever going to the indies unless they get cut. And as long as they sell merchandise the way they sell merchandise, they're never going to get cut. Yeah, and, yeah. and everybody's like, well, look at Emma. And Emma was never that big a deal. Look, Emma didn't main event pay-per-views. Emma isn't part of the narrative of the women's revolution. You know, she doesn't have a five-star match on her resume. Like, these are, these are there's different levels of of the women. There's the, the Four Horsewomen, there's Alexa Bliss, there's Paige, and then there's, you know, these other women. And Nikki James, like, these are all extendable parts. But there are certain ones that will always keep because they, they have meaning and value. Yeah. Asking now, a woman's wrestler to leave WWE and go to the independence, you're literally asking them to cut food out of their own family's mouth. So, no matter what we think, and no matter how badly our favorite wrestlers, myself included, are booked, especially the women, they are going to keep doing what they're told because the check is going to come in. And when you sell the merchandise that some women check the multiples yeah and i was i was giving mccool i was giving a breakdown like let's just say you have a good house show loop and they sell a lot of your merchandise you're talking about an extra like five six grand on top of what you're already making for for your live events in merchandise a week you're just not going to find that money on independence. It's just not. Yeah. And then uh, so, also, I mean, just licensing in general. Because, like, if you yeah. get an action figure that you get, you generate mm-hmm. revenue from that. If you down mm-hmm. in a video game, you generate revenue from that. Yep. Not um, only to forget that um, even WWE is a wrestling company. They do send their stars out to do other things like Jimmy Fallon, autograph signings, and everything like that. That's extra income. You're not going to find is. that in any other independent company unless you're doing it yeah. yourself, you know, and then you're not wow. going to generate all that buzz just, you know, being one person trying to run it all alone. Like, you get a printout every quarter of all the items that have your likeness on it and that how much of it, each of it sold. So if you have 50, 60 items on shop and you're selling items in the thousands, even if you're getting a dollar a shirt, like mm. you're like, oh, 
CM Punk, I think, said this. He's like, well, if you only get two bucks a shirt. Yeah, I'm like, but Punk, if you're selling 500,000 shirts and you're getting a buck for each shirt, you're making 500 grand. That's still a lot of money. Yeah. Or you can go on Pro Wrestling Tees and damn, you can sell with a shirt and get a pretty decent profit or whatever, but damn, mm-hmm. you're not selling as many shirts as you would sell at a WWE show. Unless you're the Bucks. Or you're Omega. Unless you're the Bucks. Or you're Cody. Yeah, see, and then let's, you're talking about from a business standpoint, Cody Rhodes is smart as shit. Everybody's yeah. like, oh man, the Bullet Club. You know, they got too many people. Why would he join the Bullet Club? Because the fucking Bullet Club in New Japan has a goddamn hot topic deal. So he's getting a cut of that money. His merchandise is in every mall that you go to, you know, so he has more coverage than he would if he was just like exclusively with, um, you know, some independent schmuck and he was just selling T-shirts out of um, pro wrestling tees and some, some other independent vendor now he has more coverage than he would have ever had you know so he's a smart man they're all very very smart the bullet club those guys like omega the bucks cody because cody Rhodes actually talks about it on uh i think it was on jericho's podcast where he was he he said how oh when he was coming up him and Teddy Biasi rode with John Cena before he got the bus. And they would drive Cena everywhere. And while they were driving him, he'd be in the car calling headquarters saying, how much did I sell? How much was the gig? How much was it the last time I came here? How many hats did I move? How many shirts did I sell? He'd do all this. And they'd be like, why does this guy care so much? But guess what Cody's doing now? He does exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, how many paper you buys did I did I generate? How many did they generate without me in this venue? Like he's in the business just like Cena was. And that's the thing, you know, like business in wrestling. And if, what I was saying, Rob, is that if I can get to pull the wrestling podcast off and just get it off the ground, even if I get I don't care. Whatever listeners I get, I get. All I want is people to just walk away and understand that it is a business. And that these performers, like, when people see the shit on Twitter, when Emma lost, like, I remember when Emma got cut, um, you know, I think that Bailey and Sasha, they tweeted, oh, you know, thank you, Emma. And somebody responded to them and said, well, they should cut you two next, right? It's like when people say things like this, they don't understand that this is their job. Like, you should not want anybody to get fired from their job. And even I have been out on a limb sometimes. Like, I feel like people in the ring, you should be. And that's where I, I will not change my stance. Like, if you are reckless and you cause bodily harm, because it is performance it's not real in the sense of you're not supposed to hurt the person Bret Hart once told me at a card show the best wrestlers make it look real but they actually don't hurt you at all yeah I, now, I just what you was talking about um with Cody Rhodes and um John Cena yeah. it's like they want to know those things like for instance the um, part where you're talking about how much did he generate in this specific mm-hmm. um venue 
I mean, that's so he can plan for other things around that time. He's like, well, I didn't do good here, so I can afford to miss this venue so I can go Mm -hmm. do this other thing that might generate me more than what I would have lost, you know? Just little shit like that. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, when they take a wrestler, like, when wrestlers don't work house shows, they don't make, they're not making nearly the money. And, like, I referenced this email I got from a very well-known person in WWE, like, who's, who's in the know. We'll just leave it at that. And this person pointed out in the email when I was complaining on my, my Sasha isn't being used correctly, Ryan, that, you know, look at the India tour. There's only two women on the India tour. It's Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks. Okay. No other women. Two women. Not Bailey, not Charlotte, not Becky, not Naomi. The two women who they know generate the most interest and sell the most t-shirts and people care to see. Like, in India, if they don't see any other women, these are the two women they want to see. And they're like, she's on those shows. She's a big deal. But mm-hmm. the person emailed me and said, Bailey should be worried, not Sasha Banks. <laughs> Becky should be worried, not Sasha Banks. Because they've always keep certain people strong to a point. Like, they might not keep them as strong as maybe I want them or you, but they always know the line. Like, they're not putting certain people on main event. They're not making people lose in two minutes. And so the person tells me, look, you look at the media tour, and she's on it. She's on the Japan tour. She's on the England tour. She's working every weekend house shows. That's the difference between somebody in the good of the office and somebody in the good. Because if you're not working house shows, you're losing a lot of money. Because every house show, you make a bigger cut of the gate, you make a bigger cut of merch. So, because the production costs are so less. So, like, like, um, you know, I'm Canadian, you know this. And they did a show in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I had a friend of mine who lives out there now, and he went to the show. It was like 7,000 people sold out. Think of the gate receipts that each wrestler who was on that show is going to get. Merchandise stand was around the corner, like hour-long wait for merch. They're making a good living just working house shows. And so, you know, if wrestlers aren't on house shows, that's a problem. Like, if you're not on the house shows, that's bad. Because we could talk about uh, Kurt Hawkins and his losing streak and he's barely on TV, but I guarantee he's just about at every house show. He's on every house show because he does the same shit, which is he comes out, he's like, I'm going to break the streak tonight. He loses to a different person, but like the Apollo Cruises, the Titus O'Neils, like these guys are working house shows. So as long as they're working house shows, they're, because people think, oh, well, they have to pay for their own rental car and their own hotel. Yeah, okay. So I travel with three other people who split a rental car. And yeah, I have my own hotel room, but like these guys, if I make if I make two thousand dollars in one show, my hotel costs one hundred and fifty bucks. My rental car costs one hundred and fifty bucks. That's three hundred dollars. I bring my own food. I have all my gear. I'm still walking away after taxes, eight hundred dollars a night. 
How many other jobs are making $800 a night? No, not many. <laughs> you know, if you're not on TV and you're not a house show, that's the problem. And and like I said, this person sent me an email, and <laughs> everybody knows about so I'm not going to mention my source, just said, you should worry what isn't on TV or on house show. Or not on it. So the question I have for you is, you know, what do you think of that idea of doing a business of wrestling podcast? You're a podcast guy. You do one every week. Is that something you'd be interested in? Or do you think that just goes by the way of the other 2,000 wrestling podcasts? It's just too many. Well, I, I don't know of any other podcast that does that. I've known shows to speak about um, uh, television ratings and things like that, but it wasn't the main focal point of the show, just like it was mentioned in passing or it was just to um, validate a point that they had. But I've never heard of any show that is strictly based within the inner workings of business of professional wrestling. So you have something unique if you chose to pursue it. I believe um, it would be interesting and people would gravitate toward it because, I mean, it's wrestling based, which people like, but um, it gives them another layer because me as a wrestling fan, been watching wrestling for so long. That's what I look for. I look for, you know, more insight about professional wrestling outside of just the overall performances of the men and women. Yeah. Um, the thing about WWE, which is interesting, is I don't think I've ever liked the product more overall. But I feel like it's the women that are really carrying my interests. Like, for the men's wrestling, like, I feel like I'm more into New Japan. I'm more into Ring of Honor. Yeah. I'm not into the men's part of the WWE product as much as I used to be. Like, I like AJ Styles, and I like Finn, and I like some of these other guys. But, like, overall, there's too much filler. But I feel like the women's stuff is still... I still care week to week how much time they're given and who's in what storyline. Like, I think New Japan... I don't know, man. The wrestling that I get out of the New Japan is just so far and away, Yeah, in my opinion, in the ring better than what you get in WWE because they're allowed to take more risks because let's be honest, WWE doesn't do chair shots. No. Um to the head and they shouldn't. You know, there's too many concussion studies that say it's a bad thing. Um the other thing is they don't do blood. And then the other thing is they don't take like a pile driver's ban. You know, Vince will not allow you to do the pile driver. Only Kane and Undertaker can do the tombstone. And so like things like that, like New Japan, they're doing stuff that scares me. Like, they're yeah. doing power drivers off the second rope and stuff. I get worried for some of these guys. But it's entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's like NASCAR. It's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Car wreck. <laughs> Car crash. Yeah. But I can't turn away. <laughs> but yeah, man, I just like other than the content that your um, podcast would be about, I mean, is there any other, um, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, worries that you may have about doing a podcast or things that you're not really clear on? Um, or how would you go about certain things? I think the thing I'd be worried about the most is I think keeping a cadence 
and keeping a continuity to anything is important. And I think that what I would like to do if I if I did it is keep it fresh where I would try to have different guests every week that could talk to what I'm talking about. So like, you know, if I did it, I would, I, and I, I would do this. Um, you know, I have a friend who works at Nike and I have a friend who works at Adidas and I have a friend who works at Puma and, you know, one of these three individuals has, has told me on the record, off the record, sorry, that like, all three companies were interested in doing something with the uh, four horsewomen. And like they had this whole thing planned out where they were going to have them be like this women's, like, you know, the way that they focus on Serena Williams and the way they focus on some of the other women athletes that they were like, how many women athletes in the world are really more popular than top women's wrestlers? But this is how the conversation started. I thought about it and I said, hmm, Serena, definitely, yes. Um, then it kind of got hazy because after Serena Williams, who's the next most famous women's athlete? Cheryl Pova, maybe? Yeah. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but they were saying, like, you know, if Alexa Bliss goes to Tokyo, they're going to be people who know who she is. Like, she's going to walk this street to Tokyo. And people are like, oh my god, that's Alexa Bliss. But if Diana Taurasi, or like the best women's basketball player in the world, walked those same streets, they probably didn't know who they are. Um, I, to tell you, shit, I didn't even know the WNBA was still around. So the Minnesota Lynx are one of the best uh, women's basketball teams, WNBA teams, and I um, I flew to Minneapolis for business, and I'm at the airport. And there's like a backlog for rental cars. So I'm waiting at Avis or at Budget, sorry. And yeah, same thing, Budget Avis. And Maya Moore, who's one of the best women's basketball players ever, is sitting right beside me. And she just came off the plane. They wanted a gold medal in the Olympics. And she's, you know, lives in Minnesota. And she's near a rental car. And it, that's when it hit me that like, she's, I know her because I love basketball and I know everything about it. But like, how many people know who this is? Like, I'm like, oh my God, it's Maya Moore. Let me go say hi to her. Hey, fan, you know, you're great. Love the Jordans you have on your feet. We struck up a conversation and she was very nice. But the point I'm trying to make is if Sasha Banks was sitting there or Alexa Bliss was sitting there, a lot more people would know who they were than Maya Moore. Yeah. So anyways, getting back to my conversation that I had with one of these three individuals who works for one of these three companies, they had this whole idea of, hey, four horsewomen get them their own shoe. And this concept is so awesome. Like, you do, like, you launch a shoe, but you have four iterations of it. You have a Becky shoe, a Bailey shoe, a Sasha shoe, and a Charlotte shoe. And you only release them in their hometowns. So there's a Boston release for Sasha, there's a Charlotte release for Charlotte, there's a Ireland release for Becky and there's a San Jose release for Bailey and they do like an autograph signing and they're also like releasing the shoes at that store so they're signing the shoes and they had this whole thing planned out and it's just doing business with WWE is so difficult because they want in on everything so they have tap out 
which they own 50% of, for those of you who don't know. So, like, they felt like it was like a conflict of interest because they want their performers wearing tap out. And so, one of the rules in um, WWE dress code is if you wear tap out, you don't have to dress up to the arena. Like, if you wear tap out sweatsuits or tap out shirts, you don't have to dress up. But if you've ever looked at how the women wrestlers or the male wrestlers come to arenas, they're mostly wearing suits and dress clothes because they have a dress code. Yeah. But if you wear tap out, you don't have to have that dress code. So that's why a lot of people just love wearing their tap out stuff. But the point is that there are these other companies that really want to tap into what the WWE has with some of their stars, but they just they can't do it because there's a lot of politics. But the point I'm trying to make, though, is there's a huge market for that type of merchandise that I don't even think they've tapped into yet. And those are the type of things I'd like to talk about. Like, I'd like to have a person on from a shoe company telling them, like, hey, what's the viability of an Alexa Bliss band sneaker? Like, would that sell? Would people care about it? I'd like to do stuff like that because I just think it's such a different market, a different audience. Uh, not a different audience. It's a different perspective on a business that we all care about. So that's kind of what I'd like to do because um, I don't hear anybody doing it. And I listen to God knows how many wrestling podcasts a week. Um, one of the things about your podcast, and that's why I subscribe, so everybody go subscribe. <laughs> Appreciate it. Is because, absolutely, I'm going to definitely hit you up on the, on the Patreon to, to contribute. Um, it's because you, you have all these different guests and it's so it's like you guys have a wide range of topics and it's just Rob talking to somebody um, but the wrestling specific podcast it's like they're going to recap Midnight Raw or Smackdown or the pay-per-view and that's cool but like everybody does that mm-hmm. so there's nothing really unique about it so yeah, that's kind of where I'd like to go with it. But yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that like a Puma, Alexa Bliss shoe or Sasha Banks shoe would do well? I think it'd do great for business. I, I, shit, I, I think mean, people just, would buy it. Just, that alone, uh, I know my kid, my my oldest, my daughter. I know she would want some right off the bat, especially Sasha Banks. So I mean, yeah. there there is going to be. Uh, uh, think of somebody uh, on the level of Izzy. You know she's probably gonna buy the Bailey shoe or even the Sasha Banks shoe just because <laughs> she, you know, <laughs> Izzy should be on the Bailey shoe. Exactly, like she should. They should have a face of Izzy, like Izzy mini Sasha Banks, who follows me on Twitter and I follow her mini Sasha Banks. That is, these individuals have taken like their fandom and turned it into a business. Yeah, like mini Sasha Banks has her own line of merchandise, and she's doing card shows. And people come up to her and be like, I want to take a picture with you. Like, you think about that. Like, these women have become such big stars that the people who dress up like them are becoming stars. Yeah. I got a homeboy. Um, he does his, um, he makes his own gear. He dressed up like Kenny Omega. Now he's going to be on the next episode of Being the Elite. He got to meet Kenny Omega. He is? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, so he must have been in San Antonio. Yeah. By the way, I love that show. <laughs> Show's awesome. I've only you seen know, glimpses think, of it. I've seen like highlight reels of, of, of different episodes, but I never watched the full episode. I'm gonna definitely watch the one with my homeboy gonna be on it. I, I think the Young Bucks are the one wrestling group or act that I would tell them never to go to WWE. Yeah, they have such a good thing going, like the, the Hot Topic, the YouTube. 
the merchandise, the joke about it. They're not working Christmas or New Year's. But WWE wrestlers are. But here's the thing that people don't understand about that. There was a time where wrestling always happened on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's a tradition. Like, that's a tradition. So it's not like people are making it out to be this big, like, oh my God, how cruel of WWE to, to how, have, you know, their wrestlers work. But like, even if let's say they say on the 18th of December, you got to take two episodes of Raw instead of doing the one episode of Raw on the 25th, you're still working. Yeah. And people forget, like, there's a reason that they get paid what they get paid for first run programming. Like, USA is not paying for repeats. They're paying for live 52 shows. And if you're not going to give it to them, they're going to expect something in its place. And I don't think they have any contingency plans. So that doesn't bother me. But the, the plan I'm trying to make is the Young Bucks can do what they want. They work their schedule. They make their money. If these guys are making, I mean, they're making, I'm sure they're making a million dollars. And if they are, good for them. Like, that to me is the independent spirit, like what they're doing, Rhodes is doing, Omega's doing, um, Michael Elgin has his own promotion. Yeah. And it's crazy because you're getting Michael Elgin and Naito in like a, an, an independent 2000 seat hall. That's a crazy match. And by that time, Naito might be the world champion. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. I just think the business of wrestling is, there's a lot to talk about. Like you look at St. Clair who owns ring of honor. They're just expanding into all these new markets if Sinclair, and they have way more money than the WWE, if they ever said, you know what, we're just going to put money in the Ring of Honor, they give the WWE a real run for their money. I've always said that, like, all it's going to take is one crazy billionaire owner to buy New Ted Japan. Huh? Not like Ted Turner. <laughs> Mark Cuban. Yeah. Like, right now, um, Access, which is where New Japan is on in America, is owned by Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban has more money than Vince McMahon. Mark Cuban's probably as good, if not a better businessman than Vince McMahon is. I mean, look at Shark Tank with the Dallas Mavericks. If Mark Cuban said, you know what? I want to compete. I want to give Vince a run. I'm going to put money into New Japan. Don't you think that that would scare Vince into probably now pushing the people he wants that maybe they don't get pushed because he doesn't have to. Like, I just think Vince needs some competition to make him better. Yeah. And all it's going to take is one crazy billionaire to say, you know what? I love wrestling like Ted Turner. Mark Cuban loves wrestling. He's taking an RKO. People yeah. forget that. Like, there was, there was a pay-per-view where he took an RKO from Randy Orton. He wants to get into business and he buys New Japan and Ring of Honor. You don't think Vince is going to be a little scared? I mean... Yeah. And then um, another person that I think that would be a good guess is uh, James Ellsworth because he has an um, independent promotion and then he was just recently on WWE TV or whatever. So, I mean, what do you think that did, done for him financially and, you know, as far as, um, you know, generating business for his company? I'll say this. James Ellsworth should be applauded. 
Yeah. He, people get the, like, this guy was hired as a jobber to get beat up by Braun Strowman. He cut the promo where any man with two hands has a chance. And he got so over. To the point where people were chanting his name, people had signs about him. He got signed. He had a great year and a half run where he was doing house shows. He was part of main event. I mean, he was part of the first ever women's Money in the Bank match. And for those of you who don't know, the, the storyline was supposed to be he was going to do a Caitlyn Jenner type angle where at WrestleMania, he was going to fight Charlotte because he wanted to be more of a woman. And that was going to be the match Charlotte had for the title. James Ellsworth. What? Yeah. That's that's what it was. And it was Vince's idea. So the fact that they stopped it, somebody must have got bit. Like, somebody from, like, USA Network must have been like, whoa, hey, whoa, what are you doing? You ain't touching this one. But I, I got all... Ellsworth did great, like, he and a half of his dream. I mean, this guy's been a wrestler for, like, 20 years. And now he's probably going to charge a lot more independence. And we're back. Man, and, and you heard it. I mean, you heard the other side of wrestling, you know, in a small sense. But um, if he pursues, you know, this podcast, I wish him the best of luck and I help him as much as I can with my limited knowledge with my 99 episodes as of this one backing me with my portfolio, <laughs> the numerous guest spots I have done, <laughs> side projects that I have done through podcasting. I will take that extensive knowledge and I will bestow it upon Mr. King HR, young King HR. <laughs> Look at me talking like I'm big shit. But yeah, man, it's just um, he's not the only one to reach out to me, you know, to ask about advice about starting their own podcast or what do I think about them doing this particular type of podcast or whatever. And it's great, man, that, you know, people would come to me and ask me questions or ask my advice on specific things when they comes to podcasting i i really appreciate that that i'm i'm ecstatic that they would come to me and ask me questions and stuff everything i i don't know what to say about it. i can i'm gonna just sit here and say i'm i appreciate it like 1200 times because i really do but um he's not the only one sock monkey mike former guest i think he has started or he's about to start his own podcast and um a couple episodes back you heard uh jam the inside man jam at walmart my homeboy from back in lake charles he is working his way up into starting his own podcast he's um piecing his equipment together as we speak and um i'm excited to help him out in his foyer into podcasting also there's this whole net neutrality thing that's um been circling around the net and everything and you know I'm not educated or wise to what shit's going on but from what I've gathered of this whole net neutrality thing if it's passed if um, they come to terms on it it's basically gonna give the power of the internet in all its glory is uncensored unbridled 
and um untamed uh freaking power and they're gonna disseminate it and distribute it through you know different companies and everything so Verizon can have their own brand of internet and they can charge you different amounts for different services within the internet you know that's you know that's what I'm gathering from it I mean just type in net neutrality on Google or Bing or whatever your search engine is and you can read all about it basically it sucks it's, it's going to kill a lot of podcasters man because I mean they're going to put a chokehold on the internet they're going to ration out the internet for money you know if you want to fucking stream video that type of internet is going to be different from internet that you would use to surf you know to look up freaking wikipedia and do your homework and all kind of shit it's just it's just going to be a big fucking mess so uh, write your congressman call your congressman snapchat your congressman instagram your congressman don't pass that bill because it will fucking suck and then Jam and then HR and Sock Money Mike and myself and many other podcasters probably won't be able to do this thing that we want to do. So yeah, now here there you go. I talked about current events. <laughs> Something outside of fucking podcasting or this show. But um net neutrality sucks. Don't do it. It sounds like Nutella when I say it, but it's not. So um I'm wishing all these people the best of luck. If you're interested in podcasting and um, you ain't got nobody to talk to about it or you don't know anybody with any kind of experience with my limited base and knowledge on podcasting, I will help you out. I mean, there's many ways you can reach me and we can um, converse. We can chat about the subject and I try to point you in a right there direction there. Anyway, as I stated before, uh, Anomaly has a message for you and he wants to enlighten you on um, a giveaway that he's interested in doing. So let's listen to Anomaly. We're going to discuss the details of the giveaway and then and then we're going to get the fuck up out of here. Random Rob, this is your boy Anomaly calling in to show support and love to the show. You know I love listening to you. Um, you know the uh, Revelations album is out. Uh, on zip file only, and we got uh, t-shirts for sale. The hard copies will be in soon. This is what I wanted to, um, you know, go past you first and put in on your message. How about for all your listeners who have supported me and I've gained fans from being on your show, and I love that. We're going to have a contest, and you are going to decide the the, um, the stipulations of this contest for your listeners and your listeners only. Uh. You can win a free zip file download of the Revelation CD and a free T-shirt for one fan of the Random Ramblings with Rob podcast. Rob, you get to decide the stipulations on this. You tell me the winner. You tell me all the information. And once again, thank you for having me on your show and supporting the Infamous Society movement, supporting the anomaly, and supporting underground music in a whole. Random Rob is that man. I love you, brother, and uh, keep rocking and rolling. Peace. All right. And see, he, he put me on spot. He he <laughs> put the burden on me. He got the easy shit. He can just give you shit, whoever wins. But I got to come up with the goddamn grand scheme of how I'm going to give these things away. 
So let's see. Um, we we'll, we're live brainstorming this right now. Um, well, it's not going to be live for you because this is recorded and I'm going to have to put it out. So, but let's see. Well, obviously it's going to involve something with Walmart because that's kind of my jam. So, hmm. Hmm. Fuck, man. God damn you, Anomaly. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let's think, 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 think. I guess we can uh, keep it simple. I mean, I give you a couple of options. Um, if you go to Walmart and you take a picture and tag me in it, whether it be on uh, Instagram or um, freaking Twitter, you know, that'll, that'll gain you an entry. I'll take your um, name down and then I'll do a random drawing to see how you win that there. Or you can um, go on Facebook or Instagram or wherever and you can tag me in a crazy Walmart video and whoever uh, tags me in the, with the craziest Walmart video, they'll win the little prize pack from Anomaly. I mean, and I'm going to tell you now, if you actually go into a Walmart and you tag me in a video or a photo of you in Walmart. I'm going to say it's going to weigh in your favor. I might I might stack I might stuff the ballot box with your name a couple times, you know, that might weigh heavily in your favor. But you can also tag me with an insane or you know, it doesn't have to be insane. It can just be funny Walmart video. So you can tag me on Instagram, Twitter. Hell, you can even go to Facebook. I'm on Facebook as well. So Hit me up and whoever does that, I'll draw your name at random and you can win the prize pack from Anomaly. Yeah. So that is the episode. I'm going to go ahead and get the hell up on out of here. It's two o'clock in the morning, central time. Um, me and baby B-Rob got up early-ish and went to IHOP and ate all kinds of pancakes and crepes and everything. And it was delicious. But that's Paul. From the course, because right now I'm going to tell you that you can follow me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk to professional wrestling or the business of professional wrestling, any other general shenanigans, that's the account that you do it at. Also, the show has its own Twitter account that you can follow at three R show. You can follow me on Instagram to where you can watch me walk through the hollowed halls of Walmart and uh vlog i guess is what they call it also go to randomrobcast.com to where you can help the show grow and um you can contribute in many different ways i have amazon links you click the banners and everything it'll take you to amazon you shop like you normally do and you don't pay anything extra but from the purchase that you make on amazon through my links i get a little kickback to help support the show also, there is merchandise. You can buy T-shirts, which I haven't made T-shirts in a while. And I need to make a T-shirt for one of the patrons of the show, which you can be a patron too, just like Brandon McIntyre and Glenn Abbott. You just go to randomrobcast.com, click on the become a patron uh, ad there. It'll take you to Podbean. You sign right on up. There's four tiers, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. And $10. Also, you can just 
give me things off my Amazon wish list because it's all pertaining to the show except for the Daryl Kitty Cat like uh, Haramu have on New Japan Pro Wrestling and I probably pronounced his name wrong but that's just a leisure thing <laughs> um yeah, and that's about it. But, you know, as I started, I'm start saying every week, you don't have to give anything to this show. Like monetarily, like money or gifts or anything. The most important thing that you can do, which you're doing right now, is listen to the show. Like it, subscribe, leave a review, a comment, anything. That's all the free stuff that you could do for the show. And that's what helps the show out the most. You listening, sharing, and um, giving them maybe a little feedback, a little audience participation. Um, in honor and spirit of the giveaway that um, Anomaly is doing for the Revelations album, this is his last solo album. Um, we're going to leave you a little bit of bonus content. We're going to play one of the songs off his album. I ain't going to tell you which one it is. I'll let you hear it for yourself. It's going to be random. So, yep, I'm done. And guess what? I'll see you next time. Bonus content. Till the day that I die, bitch Fuck a fire
Ass pods that'll make you hush. WWW, hush your face. WWW, hush your face. WWW, hush your face.com. Uh.